So I'll be reading from the NIV, and we'll be reading um, <clears throat> Hebrews 11, 8 to 12, and then 17 to 19. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God has said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God would raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. It's the word of God. Amen. So let us continue to worship the Lord in a word of prayer. Let's join our hearts. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for gathering us in your house. Lord, we pray that you would help us to uh, cast aside anything that would uh, keep us from receiving what you want to communicate to our hearts. <clears throat> and help us, Lord, to, uh, to have a desire to follow you, follow people like Abraham and Moses who lived by faith. May we also join them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> So we're continuing uh, chapter 11 from the uh, book of Hebrews. And you would know the, the main theme is uh, connected to faith. So I think you recognize someone on this photo. So here I chose to start off with... Uh, I guess, a contemporary uh, illustration of those who have, those who are descendants of Abraham and Sarah and who have uh, surrendered, <coughs> surrendered all, in, in a sense, to follow the Lord. And he's led them back to uh, their homeland of the Philippines, I remember hearing from, I think it was Fred, who mentioned that they, they had plans for their retirement years, uh, and it, part of it was kind
kind of a snowbird experience. They loved going to Florida. And uh, in a way, they, they do have the warm weather in Samar and in the Philippines, but it's slightly uh, different context uh, altogether. <clears throat> they had come from the Philippines. They had uh, engineer and good jobs. And so, you know, we would, we would possibly ask the question, why would they go back to the Philippines unless it was a, a call, a, a clear call from the Lord? Chapter 11 of Hebrews, when you, uh, when you look at the list, um, I think it will be Harry Antoine will be speaking on the life of Joseph. Now, Joseph only has one verse in chapter 11 of Hebrews. But if you know the book of Genesis, the life of Joseph spans from chapter 37 to 50. Now, I'm not saying that Joseph did not have a, as great a fate as, as Abraham did. But when you look at the section I was asked to, uh, to cover, <coughs> it's, uh, it's a good... <clears throat> it's a good uh, 10 verses in the passage. And we know, we know Abraham is definitely known as the father uh, of faith. His life uh, illustrates what faith is, is all about. Often, you know, when... When we look at uh, fate in the scriptures, there's, there's, there's an element of um, kind of sounds not really uh, reasonable what is being asked to, to do. <clears throat> uh, a couple like Abraham and his wife, who was barren, who could not have children, and they were getting pretty advanced in age, now, God gave him a promise that they would have a child. Already, that sounds very unlikely, impossible in, in human uh, thinking or reasoning. Um, people like Fred and Feely, if you look at their, their life, and to have them do this, go back to the Philippines in many people would, would not fully uh, agree or understand why in the world would, would you do something like that. Peter is in the boat. Jesus is walking on the water. And so Peter asked, Lord, tell me to come. Again, walking on water, not something... Uh, you do on a typical day. So there is something about faith that we will, will continue to explore. Um, and along the way, I'll be giving you some questions and during the week and the following weeks as we do this series. Um, try to stop and think, is there, is there anything God... Uh, is calling me to do or 
it seems that God is calling me to do a step of faith, to step out of the boat, that, that seems like not really uh, usual or even maybe impossible. And Jesus had this question for his disciples. <clears throat> Where is your faith? Where is my faith? And so we'll continue to explore what faith is and maybe what it's not. <clears throat> One of the verses that uh, Jonathan read, that we will read in, in a moment, uh, <clears throat> I'll just read it and then we'll see it on the slide later. It says in verse 15 of chapter 11, If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. When I read this, I, I paused, I stopped for a moment. And here he's, I think he's, he's referring to uh, people like Abraham, people like Moses, And when you stop and think, um, I'll just go to a, Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees, and now in recent years, uh, with archaeology and research, they, they've found that the place actually does exist, and it was a very advanced uh, place for that time, more or less two, three thousand years before Christ, uh, Sumerian civilization in the Mesopotamian Valley. So Abraham is leaving a place that is, I would say, relatively advanced for that time and comfortable. Uh, Fred and Philly leaving uh, Montreal, although we have all this road construction. It seems the city is just would need to be uh, fully uh, reconstructed. Anyhow, that's, a, that's another story. <laughs> so the, the city that we built are not really meant to last. I think we have a living proof living in Montreal. Yes. And Moses, who left, who was part of uh, the king's family, the court of Pharaoh in Egypt. So again, if you stop for a moment and you think of some of the uh, versions of the Christian message today, one being gospel of prosperity, you become a Christian, God will bless you, you will become really rich and your life will be comfortable and so on, so on. Well, then you read this verse again. <clears throat> if Abraham and Moses, if they were after the good life, God, thank you, you want to bless me right here, right now, have a bigger house, have a better job, have a nice wife, have successful career, blah, 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 and so on, then <clears throat> it seems that I'm, I'm not really 
following the example of people like Abraham and Moses. Uh, so anyhow, that's one verse that I, I just wanted to um, underline. <clears throat> By faith, Sarah, no, it's the other page. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, I definitely can relate to Abraham. I I can identify to not knowing where I'm going. Often, I'm not so sure. I wake up. I, I have a good idea what I'll be doing that day. We know that God has prepared good works for us to do, But it's just not always crystal clear what they are. And it's walking by faith is a little bit like the Israelites, 40 years in the desert, living in tents, depending on God on a daily basis. Give us this day our daily bread. Every day they had to go out and get the manna. We... I I would say about myself, and I I guess most of us, we we would like our lives to be a little bit more um, secure, have some cushion in the bank, know a little bit where, where it is that I'm going, what I'll be doing in the next few years, plan things out. And here we have the life of Abraham. He leaves a very developed place. He follows the Lord, not knowing where he was going exactly. And then a little bit later, um, we'll read about Abraham. That's much later in his life when God asked him to offer up his son as, a, as an offering, as a sacrifice. Again, the Lord says, go to Moriah, the region of Moriah, to the place I will show you. At least, you know, God gives him an area, Moriah, but it's still not. So do you see that there's an element in faith where we must and we are called to rely completely, fully upon God, not for each moment. Yes, you know, you might have enough light to stay on the path. Your word is a light onto my path. But what is it, Lord, that's going to happen in two years from now, three years from now? You might not get this yet. So you have to depend on the Lord. Uh, So he went in a foreign land, living in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. He was looking forward to the city that has foundation, whose designer and builder is God. So maybe here, the, the only thing I could point out, and it's repeated in the, in the chapter, is that they, those who are real descendants of Abraham people like me and you who walk by faith, 
not just by fate as a fuzzy thing. Our fate is focused on a person that is God, that is Jesus. Our, our fate is centered on, and our fate has historical facts to, to back. It's not just a blind fate also. Fate is such a large theme in Scripture, and often it's been distorted or used like you just got to have more faith. What does that mean? How does faith come through hearing, hearing the words of Christ? That's one way our faith is developed. I believe through testing also, the testing, the wind, the storms, if you are like a tree, your roots will grow stronger as you, as God brings uh, trials in your lives, and and we, you know, we try by faith to receive these things as from God. I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, but to give you hope in the future. God's plans for us. All things work out for the good of those who love the Lord, those who are called according to his, his purpose, his plan. He's faithful to complete the work that he has begun in you. This is a, we need to hold on to the promises of God's word. That is part of our faith. Uh, perseverance of the saints, persevering in faith. If you expected the Christian life to be a, a life of uh, ease and uh, an easy kind of life, uh, probably at some point you will be disappointed or you will realize, whoa, wait a minute, I'm not sure I signed up for that. <clears throat> I... This past week, I went to Plattsburgh, a little kind of retreat, vacation, three nights camping. And our, on my father's side of the family, our ancestors, they, they were, I guess you would say, the founders of Plattsburgh. I went to a cemetery, looked at some of the tombstone. It was, it was interesting. I, I like history when, when I get to visit a place. And I talked to one of the caretakers at the cemetery, and he was telling me about, because he loves uh, history of the, especially of that region, and he was telling me, oh, yes, a lot of the big uh, stone ho homes in, in town used to belong to, uh, to the Platts. And he said, you're the first uh, ancestor that I actually meet in person, because there's no more Platts with the name Platt living there. Why am I saying this? It's not to show off, hey, I, I'm... I, the guy said he used to work as a notary. Now he retired, and he's working, uh, doing care, uh, like mowing the lawn at the cemetery. So, you know, retirement can be fun. <laughs> he told me he's, he handled many of the deeds... And he looked at many of the transactions of the land deeds in Plattsburgh, and he said, my goodness, a lot of them are Platt 
and they're transferring land and so on. So what's the point with the message? Abraham was living in a tent most of his life after he left. And when he died, he, he didn't have this big, big house in Plattsburgh that he would pass on to his children. Maybe they had land a little bit. Yes, he had accumulated livestock and, and things of the sort. I felt like a stranger in a city that my ancestors uh, founded. I was a, uh, a pure alien, stranger, felt like an exile. I, I couldn't talk to people on the street. Hey, you know, I'm a descendant of the founder of the city. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> so if, if our hope, and, and that's an important point, faith hope, and love, what is my hope? Where is my hope found? If you are accumulating, gathering all kinds of, it could be money, it could be homes, it could be whatever. Um, well, the example of Plattsburgh, I, nothing there belongs to me. I, even if I'm a descendant, um, our hope. So that's, an, that's another message altogether. But eschatology, end times, what does my future look like as a descendant of Abraham, as a child of God? What is my inheritance? Chuck, Charles talked about this last week. Hair, inheritance. I, I wanted to ask the guy at the cemetery, is there any home that nobody ever claimed, a plat home that I could uh, claim as my own? <clears throat> no. So this is the, uh, I guess, the root so there was kind of two parts. Abraham left. Then they went up to, I think it's Aram or Aram. And uh, eventually his dad passed away. And then there was a part two of his calling to the, to the promised land. Um, okay. By faith, Sarah... Now, this verse I, I find interesting because in chapter 11 of Hebrews, Sarah here is said that uh, she received power to conceive and she was passed since she considered him faithful who had promised. Now, yes, eventually she did come around to believe that she would have a child, but if you remember, the name of Isaac is, has to do with laughing. And she kind of, <laughs> in the tent, she come on, like, me, have a child? Nah, you've got to be kidding. So the, her child, the name would remind her, I guess, of that part. Probably the laughter means other things also. To, to laugh of joy, possibly, yes. But here she's described as someone who uh, 
she considered him faithful who had promised. Uh, from one man, as good as dead, was born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So again, uh, yes, we can think of physical descendants of Abraham. And if you remember Jesus, he's talking to the Jewish leaders. and They're having kind of debate around this. Who are the real, the real descendants of Abraham? And he, he says to uh, a number of them, your father the de- is the devil. Whoa, they, they were set back. But the, I guess the point is that the real descendants of, of Abraham include those who have placed their trust in Christ Jesus, his work of redemption accomplished at the cross. And we even find that Abraham, when he's called to offer up Isaac, in the book of Hebrews, there's a, there's a mention that Abraham believed that God could raise him back from the dead. I think this is the first time in Scripture where you, you have someone, unless you, you consider Job, which probably lived before Abraham. I, I'm not sure about the timeline. But anyhow, very, very rare at that time, the notion of uh, resurrection, bringing, coming back from the dead, I think. So right there, there's, there's a, a strong element of faith in Abraham. Who, in the Gospel of Luke, I believe there's a connection with the story of Abraham and Sarah. You have two, uh, two persons, Mary on one side, and then you have Zechariah, the priest. The angel Gabriel, so right at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, uh, we see two, I guess, two response to what God is doing. Mary believed what the angel said. How will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Again, faith is so central in in all of scripture, and especially in the Gospels. The Gospel of Luke, uh, right from the start, we see a contrast. Zechariah, who was from the, uh, the priestly lineage, and the Levites, or he would have known... Scripture. He would have known about the story of Abraham and Sarah and the old, their old age. God had already done it before, and and I think He's done it with Hannah, Samuel the prophet. Uh, 
And yet he doubted. He did not believe the word from God, from the angel. And here you have a young girl, Mary, from a more modest uh, family, most likely. And she believes the promise. And yet this had never happened before. This was a first for a, a woman, a virgin, to conceive a child. It's So, wow, right there at the beginning, Luke is pointing out, look Look at her fate. She is a true descendant of Abraham. You, you see Abraham and Sarah in, in that um, context. You, you see the, uh, the reference 2,000 years uh, later. They all died in fate, didn't receive the things promised, but they... Having seen them, greeted them from afar, they acknowledged they were strangers and exiles on earth. You know, again, I just go back to my camping in Plattsburgh. I, I hadn't been camping for a while. Okay, it, it, I forget when was the last time. We used to go camping when our kids were young. Now my wife will not go camping. <laughs> And I completely agree with her after my trip in Plattsburgh. <laughs> yes, I am cheap, 25 US dollars a night. That beats any uh, sleazy motel. The mattress, I had four foam mattress and I still couldn't sleep. I, it was horrible. <laughs> And then I had to, one morning I woke up, uh, I had a diarrhea, but sorry to, say, <laughs> sorry to say this. I was so happy Walmart opens at 7 a.m. in Plattsburgh. I, was, I said, this is a miracle, because I would have had to wait two hours. Anyhow, just to make a long story short, 40 years they lived in the wilderness, in tents. Can you imagine this? And, and washing and cooking. Lake Champlain has so much wind. My little Coleman stove, I had to position it, you know, to cut the wind coming from the lake. And I'm trying to cook on this, and the flame keeps going off. I, I lift up my hat to the Israelites, 40 years living in tents. Abraham, living in tents. He left a comfortable place, I think. And, and Moses, imagine what he left. And then he considered it. So if you, we'll, we'll have that later in another message. But what's the point is that if you consider, if you call yourself a descendant of Abraham, one who follows in his example, who walks by faith, then don't expect that God will bless your life according to your uh, dreams. I want this, I want that, I, I was hoping for this. This, our time here, we are like strangers 
in exile. We are here for just a short time. And John Piper writes a book, Don't Waste Your Life. Use whatever God has entrusted in your care. Use it. Your time here is short. That's, I think, the point of chapter 11 in part. They, some of the believers were starting, I, I think, the context of Hebrews Some of the believers were starting to feel the, they were being ostracized or kicked out of the synagogues or because they, they followed the cross, they followed Jesus. Some of them were being confiscated their homes, losing. Here's the question. How much uh, your fate, how much is it worth To you, what would you be willing to pay to keep your faith? Is it precious, more precious to you than anything else? <clears throat> you see, here we, we live in a relatively comfortable context. It's not the same uh, everywhere, but still we will see that there are... Uh, many challenges to our fate, even if we live in a place like Montreal. And I, I think I have probably a few minutes, around 10 or so. Someone will open up the trap and I'll, I'll disappear. In a <laughs> um, you see, that's the verse. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. And then again, I, I love that that verse is, is right there. But as it is, the desire of better country, a heavenly one, therefore God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And like I said today, this is not a message on that would develop our hope. What... What does the Bible teach about our future life? Is it up in heaven only? Is it on a new heaven and new earth, new Jerusalem? All of these things. But I think we can clearly, for now, just agree that our hope is not really in this present version of the, uh, of the earth. If, if your life is all about building something here, That's not going to last. That's going to be passed away completely. So invest in something that will remain, something that will last forever. That's the point. So here is the testing of Abraham. <clears throat> Now note, Abraham was not tested in this way right at the beginning of his walk with God, we're talking about probably 30 years at least later. And so the kind of test that you, will, you and me will face will, will change as, we, as our fate grows, our character is transformed. Uh, God is, he knows what he's doing. And he'll use these things to uh, transform us. 
Just quick little note. Our son, Jonathan, it was interesting that we were both up here this morning. Um, <laughs> it just happened this way, I think. When he told us that he would be going four months on this mission uh, trip, I mean, definitely uh, Genesis chapter 22 came to mind, came to my mind, and probably more for uh, Hadio, my, my wife. Uh, I mean, you, you can't help as a parent to think that Guatemala is not the safest place on on the face of this planet right now. I'd see either, I guess, for, for a number of reasons. And so to, to be willing to trust God and surrender to let... He's an adult, anyhow, at this point. But he, he had a firm uh, conviction that this call was from God and we wanted to be supportive and he, God provided and God protected him. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for everything. Thank you for helping us all these years. Uh, since we got married, we st- I started with Christian Direction. And Snowden has been uh, behind us, has been partners with us all these years. Uh, it means a lot to us, and uh, to to share briefly on, I guess, my own and my wife's experience, a bit like Fred and Philly, to to follow the Lord in uh, in, in ministry work. I believe we're all we're all missionaries in some way, just like Fred mentioned. This is like the locker room I heard in a movie. The game is out there, but here we're in the locker room for for a moment. But when we go out there, that's where the mission takes place. And uh, to say that some people might think, oh, well, it probably gets easier, you know, after a few years. For for me, it's almost 25 years that I, I, I know... Clearly, the Lord has called me to serve in a, in a full-time capacity and to leave other, uh, other things aside, other career projects or whatever. And do I regret it? No, not at all. If you ask me, is it easy to every day depend on God? No, it's not. It is, it's not easy. There are times when, when it's harder. But <clears throat> uh, I praise God. I thank God because uh, it, it has made our faith, I, I think, uh, stronger to rely on him. But to know that God's people are, are, are with us. We're, we're in this together. So I'm, I'm not trying to say... Being a missionary, you're in a separate class. No, we are all those who are descendants of Abraham. We're all called to live by faith, to serve the Lord with whatever God has given to us. For the last few minutes, if 
if I do have a couple more minutes, this here's the the wrap up. Here's a life application. Uh, I assume that you're familiar with the story of Genesis 22, where God tested Abraham and he's called to offer to kill his son. And <clears throat> at the last minute, God tells him to, okay, don't do it. Okay, so that's kind of the story. <clears throat> and here on, these are a few quotes from uh, Tim Keller in his book, Counterfeit Gods. I guess it's another word for idols. In the Old Testament, idols, they're all over the place in the prophets. Today, we probably have more idolatry than, than, than was ever before. Anyhow, it's not a question of quantity, but <clears throat> there's lots of idols lurking, very subtle ways that come and they affect our, our fate, our life of fate. <clears throat> Anything more important to you than God Anything that absorbs you, your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Some of these questions, you, you need to kind of pray with them. So in, in just a few minutes like this, it's, it, it, it'll be kind of difficult, but it's... Because from my own experience, these kind of questions, you have to really sit in prayer and ask the Lord to search my heart. Lord, show me what, what it is, what's in there in my heart that is keeping me from fully worshiping you, from fully surrendering all to you. Whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life as meaning. <clears throat> then I'll know I have value. Then I'll feel significant, secure. Many ways to describe that kind of relationship to something, perhaps the best. Just, I'll just give a brief example from my life and this this has been I guess in the last few years this is something that I've been working on with the Lord having been a, a missionary for like I said 25 years around right from the start I I knew there was a pastoral call in uh, in my area of service so for 25 years now, I, I've been taking seminary courses, uh, one course at a time, investing a lot of time, studies, and, and I guess kind of hoping that one day I will graduate from the missionary to a pastor. Because for me, the, the pastor in the local church was... There, there was there was an aura, not an aura. There, there was more security, and uh, so I have to I have to say that 
I, I kind of I had this dream or think, thinking that, Lord, I know right now you're equipping me, you're preparing me for this. You see, if I have that, if, if I become like a pastor in a local church, then I'll feel my life <clears throat> as meaning. Right now, as a missionary, you sometimes feel like almost like a nobody. What's a missionary? Who pays you? Uh, and, and so at times, it kind of, uh, you kind of feel like, uh, what is it exactly? My, what's my contribution? That's why I'm saying these kind of questions you need to really bring to the Lord in prayer and explore what gives value, what gives meaning to your life. Uh, what is it, where is it that I find security? So I'm giving you an example out of my life. Uh, two years ago, out of the blue, there was another Baptist church not too far. They, they had an interim pastor who uh, was very old. And so he, he, uh, he was sick. So at the last minute, they needed a pastor And my director at Christian Direction, he was contacted. To make a long story short, they, they thought of me. They asked me, would you do this part-time to help this church? Now, in my heart, I knew that you know, I had this dream or this desire to, to serve as a, like a, on a pastoral team or something like that. That there was a pastoral call. Do you love me? Feed my lamb, feed my sheep. So that, that I knew that I had this calling. <clears throat> so here was an open door. For one year and a half, I tried it over there. If you ask me, did you like it? Uh, don't know if I'd say yes. It's, you know, part of my present ministry the last few years has been to um, to do what's called spiritual direction it's, it's like a prayer companion spiritual friend and, and I do it mostly with uh, people in ministry and, and pastors so I have five six people that I meet on a regular basis because I, I worked as a pastor preparing a message every week at the other church and and at the end they I was part of the board or the council they they asked me pastor would you be interested you know to 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 get the job because they had a search committee I'll think about it and <laughs> it wasn't long that I I uh, no no I I'm not saying I would have got the job, but they, they were asking me if I would consider this. And prayerfully, I, I brought this before the Lord. And uh, no, I could not see myself, at least not there, for, for, for a period of, t- period of time. Where am I going with this? Well, <clears throat> for you, it, it can be something completely different. Maybe you, you had a dream. Maybe now you're experiencing a, 
what they call a midlife crisis, broken dream. Hey, where's my life going? I hoped to be an engineer, or I was hoping to be married by now. I was hoping to be a singer in a famous band, whatever it is. And wow, I, it's a rea- reality check. Am I bitter? Am I, you know, uh, angry almost that this dream of mine, my plan, my hopes were never blessed by God or never fulfilled? But you see me, what God showed me is that, wait a minute, Richard, you are a pastor, at least depending on how you define a pastor. (laughs) I think we all have pastoral care. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. You have people to feed, to care for. And a lot of the people that I, that God has given me to take care of my flock, uh, they're not necessarily in one local church. They're out there. And I accept the pastoral call, but my pastoral call doesn't really come with a, like a paycheck, you know, the kind of security that I was looking for to graduate from missionary to pastor. <laughs> but anyhow, to make a long story short, I, I, God was asking me to let go surrender these dreams and it's a little bit like in a circus the trapeze artist you know the trapeze when he's balancing he's he has to let go of the trapeze to catch the other one if you don't let go you you can't catch the other one i don't know if that makes sense broken dreams you'll have to mourn And you'll have to, Lord, thank you. You know, this dream that Fred and Philly had maybe to to retire and enjoy Florida, I'm sure they they had to mourn letting go of that, that hope, that dream. But then when you let go, you're finally free to start something new. A caterpillar and a butterfly is completely different. Sometimes we hope to go back. I just want to go back. You know, back 10 years ago, everything was fine. Just give me, Lord, bring me back then. That would make me so happy. It doesn't work like that. We have to look forward. The cocoon is messy It's like a desert period. Transition between one thing, it might be your dream that you're holding on to, you have to let go. On the other side, there's resurrection. The cross, you have to die. Like Isaac, your idol has to be put to death. I don't know if some of this makes sense. I I hope, at least for me, I can see that God has a purpose, a plan. It 
His plan probably is very different, doesn't look exactly like what I would have planned, but is his plan better than my plan? What do you say? (laughs) Amen. To obey God like Abraham did, is it easy? No, it's, it's not easy. It can even be painful to die to our dreams, to let these things go. But to live by faith, remember, is it's not the gospel of prosperity. Okay, we're not in this to feel the good life. I want the good life. That's why I signed up. You didn't sign up the right army, if that's the case. The so anyhow, these are a few, and I think I've, I've overpassed. So I'll, I'll send this, and if anybody wants the questions, well, you could get the book. It's called uh, Counterfeit Gods by Timothy Keller. There's a, not, there's a lot of books on idolatry with these kind of questions. Uh, you'd be surprised in prayer what God will reveal to you. And and often God will use suffering, trials, to reveal the idols in your heart. He will bring it to the surface. The last thing I will say, and Keller points that out, is that look at your strongest emotional response, like anger, frustration, okay, Try to remember when was the last time I was really angry. I was really frustrated about something. And there, from, from there, the root, look at your idol is probably attached to this emotional response. Maybe you lost a lot of money and it made you feel really, really, ah, Like, why did this happen to me? And you couldn't let go. You know, there might be greed. There might be an attachment to money, security in money. I'm just giving an example. It could be a relationship. could be so many things. The enemy is very subtle. But idolatry is very much alive today. More than we would think. Father, we thank you for uh, this moment we had. And I confess that uh, I did go uh, too long. So for that, uh, thank you for the patience of uh, my friends, my church family. Lord, we pray that you will bring uh, bring to light our idols, the attachments, things we are turning to for relief, for life, for meaning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. (laughs) Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, And with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority 
through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.